Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. An Erio's original. Each week, we decide who's to blame for a historical tragedy. And each week, you tell us if we got it right. My name is Rebecca Delgado-Smith, and this is The Aftermath. The Aftermath. Everyone, thanks for tuning into this episode of The Aftermath. Today, we are speaking with Professor Camilla Townsend. She's a distinguished professor of history at Rutgers University, specializing in indigenous peoples of the Americas, and author of Pocahontas and the Powhatan Dilemma. Let's hear what she has to say about Pocahontas. Hello, Professor Townsend. Thank you so much for joining us today. I'm so glad to be here. We're very excited to have you back on our show. I mean, last time you told us that seeds were to blame for the fall of the Aztec Empire. And honestly, we have been shook ever since. <laughs> so, can we start off by uh, having you give us a little background on the Powhatan uh, chiefdom? How were they run? Uh, how big were they? Well, Anthropologists talk about a paramount confederacy, meaning that the Powhatan Indians were paramount or more powerful than other tribes in the area, but it was a confederacy, that is a relatively loose organization of different tribes, somewhere between 20 and 30 tribes, perhaps as many as 20,000 people, tops. Okay? Um, and Pocahontas's father, Powhatan, was the most powerful man in the most powerful tribe, Less powerful tribes would have paid tribute uh, to him, for instance. So in that sense, 
uh, they were a, a nation. Some people have even used the term empire, but technically speaking, that's not really the case. So what do we know about Pocahontas's early life? Well, because her father, Powhatan, was so powerful, he had intermarried with uh, royal women or noble uh, women in various tribes. He had also conquered other tribes and taken certain prisoner wives. Doesn't mean they were treated badly. It just means that part of conquest sometimes was um, in the ancient Native American world, so part of conquest was to intermarry with the, the, the conquered people's royal women. So he had many wives and many children, and the children were all free and were all loved, but they weren't equal. That is, some children were more important than others. The children of the more important wives were the more important kids. And we know that Pocahontas was the daughter of a less important wife, possibly even a slave wife, probably even uh, uh, her mother had been from a, probably her mother was somebody uh, or came from a tribe that had recently been conquered in war. So she was the daughter of a high chief or a paramount chief. And yet at the same time, she was a very ordinary girl. Um, all people, even chief's children participated in farming and in hunting and in gathering. And she would have too. She would have worked very hard. Okay? Uh, they would have heard from time to time about strangers. Uh, there were Spaniards living down in Florida. There were Frenchmen and other Europeans up in New England and Canada uh, fishing for cod. So they knew about strangers coming and going on their boats. What was unusual in her childhood was that some of these strangers came to stay. They came not just to camp for a day, um, but to try to found a settlement. That would have been something to write home about. Was she, a, we've read that she was one of his favorites. Is that accurate or is that just speculation? It's not only just speculation, it's actually inaccurate. It's mm. a story that was made up uh, in the 19th century. Um, in, and it kind of is in keeping with the American notion or motif of a special relationship between fathers and daughters, you know, the old father-daughter dance. So this, that sort of American cultural imaginary created this idea that he was her father's darling daughter. In fact, he very, he, her father, Powhatan, very specifically said to some English colonizers that she was not uh, an important daughter and that another daughter whom he named was very important. The English colonizers were hoping that he would give that other daughter also as a bride to another colonist. This was after Pocahontas had married a colonist. And her father, Potent, said in no uncertain terms, no way, that girl is an important daughter, my beloved daughter, and is going to marry a very important indigenous chief. Um, so there is no evidence that she was the father's favorite. On the contrary. Wow. Okay. Now, when, when the English arrive at Jamestown, how do the Powhatans react? Well, we can't know what they were thinking exactly. They didn't leave us diaries and letters, um, but they seem to have reacted rather pragmatically, as Native Americans often did. Uh, they were interested in trading. Uh, we also know that Powhatan soon became interested in trading for armaments because he had his own arms war with other indigenous people and he needed to win that war constantly as the paramount chief. He had to be always on top. Um, on the other hand, there were deep suspicions. They knew enough about these strangers who had settled elsewhere along the coast to know that they could be dangerous. And in fact, when uh, some of the white men were off exploring the river, upriver, 
uh, some Indians, perhaps not from Powhatan's own tribe, in fact, probably not, but other Indians who were within the Confederacy came and attacked uh, the, the settlers or the colonists who were still near their ship. And it was after that that the, the colonists decided immediately to build Jamestown Fort, that they actually needed to protect themselves with a fort. So as was quite typical, the Indians were somewhat divided about what to do. Some, as I said, wanted to attack. Others wanted to trade. Um, they knew that they wanted to establish the upper hand, and a good attack can sometimes do that. On the other hand, her father knew that um, successful intergroup trade was for him the most important element, and that's what he was most focused on. However, uh, the situation soon deteriorated. There were soon skirmishes constantly. Um, and that, in fact, is why Pocahontas became important later on. Um, but in the short term, we have to remember, uh, they were, in fact, attacking each other. When the colonists would leave the fort, they would often get attacked. And likewise, when the Indians came to visit, they risked being assaulted. So does that that bring us to, you know, the story that's been taught over and over about Pocahontas and, and John Smith? Yes, exactly. Um, the story of the myth is simply not true, but there are kernels of truth in it. So John Smith actually drew the short straw when they were drawing straws about who would do the dangerous task of leaving the fort and attempt to go upriver in a little boat and try to trade for some more corn. They needed food. And whenever they tried to leave the fort and plant food, they were getting attacked. So he, he in effect, uh, uh, drew the short straw and he went with some companions uh, and they were attacked um, and he was taken prisoner and he was paraded around. He visited a number of different villages before being brought to Powhatan's village of where the, the chief literally means where the chief is, the chieftain's village. Um, and there he met Pocahontas. Uh, she was assigned to try to teach him some Algonquian words. And I suppose he was trying to teach her, well, we know he was trying to teach her some English as well. Um, so through hand signs um, and some very basic vocabulary they managed to establish, John Smith felt that he had begun to establish the kind of connection that he needed with the Indians. They did, in fact, uh, give him some corn they thought that if they released him and brought him back to the fort, that he had promised to give them a cannon, some, some major weapons. He, had, he said he had not promised that and did not give it to them, but the connection at least was established. And he had met Pocahontas, and they had begun to teach each other some of the language. Only years later did John Smith say that they were going to execute him and that the daughter threw herself over him to save him. There's no evidence of that. He did not write that in the report that he wrote up after he got back to camp. It is not something that would have happened in their culture. Little girls did not tell their, their high chief fathers what to do. They, and the clincher would be that in every other book that he wrote, every other part of his history that he ever described, he always said that a half-naked, beautiful young girl saved his life in a moment of danger. This was his favorite fantasy. So we have no reason to believe that it was suddenly true in this case. Okay? Anyway, he didn't make this claim until years later when everybody else who was involved was, was dead. So after Smith is returned uh, to Jamestown, 
the the situation in Jamestown really becomes dire, I'm assuming. It had already been bad. It gets worse. How does this affect the the relations with 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 the leader? Right. Well, by coincidence, um nothing to do with the dire situation. Uh John Smith gets very badly burnt on his leg and decides to go home to London. Um, so the people who are left there, both both Indian and white, are feeling very frustrated and both sides quite frightened for different reasons. Um, and in that extremity, a, a captain named Captain Argyle decided to follow orders that had actually been issued by the Crown back in England, which was to try to capture an intermediary, preferably a, a chief's son or daughter. This was something that the Spaniards had often done. The English thought it was a good idea. And again, this, the English crown had actually written out such orders. The office of the king had written such orders. So when he learned that Pocahontas, um, who they knew was Powhatan's daughter, was visiting the, um, the Potawatomi Indians up on the Potomac River, he got very excited and he went and he kidnapped her there. And they brought her back to Jamestown. And then later they brought her to another English settlement at Henrico upriver. And she was actually a prisoner of the English for a full year. Uh, they wanted her to convert to Christianity. And then they wanted her to learn English so that she could serve as an intermediary. She did learn English, but she refused to convert for a whole year. At the end of the year, they took her upriver and uh, sent messages to her father and asked, could she marry John Rolfe, an English colonist who was interested in marrying her? He had probably been one of her English tutors. And the father said, yes, this was standard practice. Native chiefs often married their daughters and younger sisters to the enemy in an effort to make peace. So he would have thought he understood what this was about. And only then, after she had been told, yes, marry this Englishman, only then, after that, did she agree to become a Christian. So most likely her conversion was part and parcel of the political agreement, which was also standard. You adopt your, your, your new husband's God when you marry him as a, as a royal bride. So uh, going back a little bit to the kidnapping uh, now, because I'm, I'm very skeptical, sorry, skeptical of all of these stories now. We've been calling it, you know, the copper kettle events. Uh, was this was this true? Did did Argal, uh, you know, come up with this uh, plan to to kidnap Pocahontas? Right. I think it's fine to call the set of events the copper kettle events. They did unfold around a copper kettle, at least so we believe, because that's what Argyll said in some detail. And that would have been typical. It's the kind of thing that the Native Americans wanted to trade for. Okay? Um, yes, we think it's probable that he did plan it. Now, first they had to learn that Pocahontas was there, and he probably didn't learn that until he was in the vicinity, until he was on the Potomac River. Um, but by then, the language skills on both sides uh, were good enough that he could, in fact, have learned, oh, Pocahontas is there in that village. Okay. And again, he had his orders, try to find uh, an intermediary to kidnap, preferably a, 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 a high chief's child. So it would not have taken him long to develop that plan. And it seems likely that he did. Okay. Did he use her brother-in-law and his wife against her? This is what... Argo himself tells us 
And there's probably some truth to it. No one else tells that story, but he was there. There's probably some truth, but it's more than likely that he misunderstood too. That is, the people who ruled on the Potomac River were in effect under the thumb of her father, Poetin. They weren't happy about it. They would have had to pay tribute to her people. It's also um, very conceivable that it was a relative of hers who was there ruling, but as an unwelcome high chief, as an unwelcome monarch. So we can't know exactly who was ruling in that village, whether those people were related to her, and we can't know exactly what they were thinking they themselves might have been tricked into giving her up or they might have wanted to give her up because, again, there would have been some local resentment against her father's people because they were being governed um, by these, these, this other royal family who lived uh, lower down in today's Virginia. So, yes, there were divisions among the Indians and Argyll undoubtedly profited from them, but we can't know to what extent and, and we shouldn't take for granted everything that he says. Interesting. So what is the likelihood that Pocahontas was a secret informant for her people? Or, or, or do you think it's, it's more likely that she, did she perhaps suffer from some kind of Stockholm syndrome? Uh, are, are we speculating? Are we just really off here? I think it's extremely unlikely either that she was an informant in in any kind of formalized sense or that she suffered from the Stockholm syndrome. Um, It is certainly true that while she was living amongst the English and after she was married to an Englishman, that her people would have wanted to get information from her, just like the English also wanted to get information from her. And it certainly would have been her role to be an intermediary to try to help the two sides to understand each other. That is what high-born native brides did when they married with the enemy. That was the whole point of marrying with the enemy, to try to bring some mutual understanding. Um, so if we think of her as a formalized spy, I think it's inaccurate. But if we think of her as an intermediary who was doing her best to help create mutual understanding, then then that makes sense. It's it's what she would have been raised to do, in effect. Now, this question about the Stockholm Syndrome that makes no sense. I think that's a, a you know a late twentieth century invention. It's very clear that the in it's very clear that the indigenous people respected her. Many of her relatives went to live on the farm with her and her new English husband, and many of them went with her to England. They spoke of her with respect. Of course, they would respect the king's daughter who was married with the enemy for their sake. Likewise, there is no evidence that the English brutalized her. It's not good that they kidnapped her, obviously, but they didn't keep her chained in a basement. Um, They couldn't. They wanted her to be their intermediary. They couldn't be cruel to her in that sense. Nor does it make any sense to think that she blindly adopted, that she worshipped her captors and blindly adopted their interests and made their interests her interests. And I say this because she didn't make their interests her interests. John Rolfe repeatedly said the Indians say that we can only have their land if we pay them. Or at one point when some Christian charities in London asked her to be a conduit uh, to help them gain more converts back in Virginia, and they offered to pay her. She said, well, I will take the money as a thank you gift for what I have already done, but I will not promise to convert any more people. So we, we, 
we have no reason to think that she was passively a kind of wide-eyed, slack-jawed, you know, accepting their orders and believing in them more than she believed in herself. That's kind of part of the 20th century myth that she loved us. She loved white men more than she loved her own men. She loved the Christian God more than she loved her own gods, that she loved London more than she loved her own people. That's what people have wanted to believe since, white people. But there's no evidence that it's true. We're we're here to clarify all of these myths, <laughs> so many of them uh, surrounding Pocahontas. Um, a- another one, a question I had was, you know, Rolf, his decision to marry Pocahontas, I guess from my perspective, it seems strategic just because he had this tobacco that he wanted to grow and he knew that it could be more profitable, but he didn't know how to mass produce it. Uh, was there any evidence to suggest that this was strategic on his part or were they actually in love? There's no question that Pocahontas would have been an appealing bride to him for some of the reasons that you're saying. That is, she could help them learn to grow a new world tobacco. Uh, she could serve as an intermediary and perhaps help to make peace. Later, as you know, she went with him to London and in effect became an advertisement for the Virginia Company. So there were would be would have been reasons on his part, strategic reasons to want to marry her. On the other hand, we still have the letter that he wrote to the governor of Virginia asking for permission to marry her. It, it, it exists still in the Bodleian Library in Oxford. And it really reads like the work of a man in love. He talks about how much he wants to marry her He says, I know you will think this is the lust of the flesh, um, but I assure you that is not all that it is. I feel deeply. He says, I acknowledge that she is still an unrepentant pagan, because remember, this was during the year when she was still refusing to convert. But he said, don't worry, I love her anyway, and I will make sure that the children are raised Christian so that we won't have any problem. There won't be any ill effects. All of these are the kinds of things that a man might say who, who really loved her. And we have every reason to believe that she was an outgoing, friendly, smart, attractive, clever, interesting, brave young person. Everything she said and did indicates as much. His own wife had died in a shipwreck um, in the Caribbean on their way to the New World. So he was also a youngish man, still in his 20s himself and lonely. So I think both may be true. That is, maybe it was strategic on his part, but he does seem to have had strong feelings. I don't think we have any evidence that there were equally strong feelings on her side. On the other hand, she had been raised to believe that she should marry with the enemy. So she didn't need to be in love. That wasn't one of the expectations on her side. So let's talk about this trip to London. It's orchestrated by the Virginia Company. And and you're saying it it was an advertisement, essentially. How, How was she received in London? And was it successful? Um, I would say it was a success. She was quite well received. She even had an audience uh, uh, with the monarchs. Uh, There was a ball given at which a play was put on about the new world. I mean, obviously, the things that were implied about Native Americans weren't exactly true. But still, the idea was a celebration of the new world. Um, She met with the Bishop of London. It, It does seem as though progress was made in convincing people in London that it was safe to invest, safe to invest capital, safe to go as a traveler, you know, investing one's own person as a traveler. 
as a as a colonizer. So I, I think from the Virginia Company's point of view, the trip did work out well. She expressed while she was there, sadness and anger, grave reservations, and said to John Smith in front of others, you did lie to us. Um, so I don't know that she would have ranked it a success. She did not like what she found out. She found out, I would argue, more about the power of the English, about how many of them there were. And she grew sick and died of that illness before they could leave. They had set out, but, and then they pulled back into shore, and there she died. Um, but from the English point of view, I think the trip was a success. So how would you say that Pocahontas's death affected the, the Powhatan-English relations after? That is debatable. When the survivors got home, that is um, John Rolfe and some of the Indians, they told her father, Powhatan, about what had happened. Um, and he is said to have said that he was very glad that the child liveth, because the, the boy, Thomas, her son, had not died, but had been left in England because he was so sick with the same illness um, with John Rolfe's brother. So one could argue that it was like a pebble that had fallen into the sea, that those who knew her loved her um, and missed her, but that the story was over. But there's no question that without that marriage being there, sort of in front of everybody's face all the time, that the same tensions that had existed between the indigenous and the settlers surfaced again. Um, and one of the people who had been to London, um, Udamaramakin, an advisor of her father, actually told his successor, Opechankanu, about how many Englishmen there were and what trouble uh, the Englishmen were likely to cause. And in fact, in 1622, Opechankanu uh, led a rising against the English and hundreds were killed. Um, so one could make an argument that it was through the trip, Pocahontas's trip to London, that the Native Americans in that area learned how much trouble they were up against um, and decided to launch a war quickly while they still could. At the end of the day, if you had to pick a person or thing, it can be a concept um, to blame for the tragic life of Pocahontas. Although I, I guess I do struggle with that label. What, you know, perhaps in many ways it was heroic. Um, I guess we could say, call it complicated. Uh, who or what would you pick? Now, blame for, do you mean for her death or for her people's gradual loss or... I guess for her life for that eventually resulted in her death, just focusing on Pocahontas. The tragedy of her death. Yeah. I guess, I guess I'll be very literal and blame the lung ailment. It could literally have been a coronavirus, right? <laughs> um, again, we don't even have proof that it was a lung ailment. Some people say, well, you know, it could have been something like cholera. I don't believe that because it spread slowly. Um, and there were still people in her entourage with lingering effects such that they had to be left um, in, in England. And that only makes sense if it was a corona type of illness, a lung ailment. It does not make sense if it was some vicious stomach virus. Um, so 
almost certainly it was something like a you know a horrendous flu to which she and all her people were a virgin population you know for them every coronavirus from europe was a novel coronavirus so um it, it was deadly and the there's no question that the one that she died of had a higher mortality rate than covid-19 uh, because in their group of about 10 people uh, a large handful were supposed to have died um, so it it probably was something, you know, the deadliness was probably something closer to smallpox, something closer to 20%. So if I have to choose one element, that's what I will choose. Wow. You know, Professor Townsend, you always, you come on our show and you just kind of rock our worlds a I, little bit. I, I hope I, uh, I haven't disagree too much with anything that you said in the other tape, but you seem to be very good feeling with that. Nope. <laughs> no, no, no. We love, we love to know what we're wrong about. <laughs> Professor Townsend, I got to tell you, we ended up sending the Virginia company to the alarmist jail. How off were we on that? You're not off at all. It was really the Virginia company's it was their plan to settle in that area. It was their plan eventually to try to kidnap somebody. It was they who brought her to London. You're on safe ground. <laughs> okay, good, good. Well, thanks again. Thank you so much. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volur XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. 
For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all have stress and anxiety we carry around as we go about our everyday life. At The Alarmist, we know it's always better to say it out loud and talk it through. Whenever I stress about the sinking of the Titanic, I don't sit with those thoughts in a dark room. I turn on the lights and dive right into it. Therapy is a great place to get things off your chest and work through what's really going on. Maybe you can't stop spiraling or catastrophizing. I started therapy over 10 years ago and never looked back. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Heck, we sometimes change our minds and rethink the verdict at The Alarmist. And that's also okay when it comes to therapists. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Alarmist today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Alarmist. With us today, we have producer Amanda Lund. Hello, Rebecca. And fact checker Chris Smith. Fact checking, and that's me. (laughs) (laughs) You guys, she blamed coronavirus. (laughs) I mean, once again, Professor Townsend <laughs> throws a wrench. There's a wrench in our decision. Oh my goodness. And also, how topical? Like, what? <laughs> I, yeah, I mean, I I do think I know that we weren't focusing on Pocahontas's death per se, but after hearing um, Professor Townsend speak about it, I think you're you're really right to say like calling her life a tragedy isn't quite accurate, especially the more we learned about how the sort of Powhatans functioned and how sort of giving a child to marry an enemy was sort of one of the purposes of having so many children. Yeah, I I think that you're right. And it was so enlightening to hear her talk about how she would have processed what was happening to her and, and therefore how she would have acted. And uh, I, I feel like at the end of the day, it still was a tragic death. She was, you know, 22 years old, so young, and 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 she was taken out of what was happening to her and her life was tragic in the sense that they were being taken over by the English, and you know, it, it, she was you know, they were being colonized. Pawn. She was a bit of a pawn, <laughs> and she was in, a pawn in that. So. You know, she was very strong. She's a strong female figure in that she really did what she had to do to, you know, when, when, when the, in the situations that were, you know, that arose in her life. I mean, she really sacrificed herself in a way in order to step up to the plate for her community, you know, And, and I do think it was kind of cool to hear that she had a little bit more 
um, say in what was happening to her maybe than we thought when we did our first episode. As far as like she stood her ground on not converting right away. Um, and even when she got over to England, you know, she was she was not just sort of a lackey for the English. She was really trying to stick up for the needs of her people. So I think I think it's kind of cool. She really is a strong character. Yeah, I, I think you're absolutely right. Like she had way more agency than, you know, perhaps, you know, it, it is talked about. And the fact that she understood her position and what how she could help. Um, it, it, she comes off as just like very brave. Uh, and it, it's funny because, you know, she she is a, a, a strong historical uh, female person. <laughs> um, and but it's not for the same reasons like that we have learned, you know, because I feel like we're yeah. taught that she is a strong, you know, historical figure, right? Female historical figure. But it's not for the right reasons. So mm-hmm. it's like the true story doesn't take that away from her. It, it actually makes it way more interesting. Yeah, I totally agree. I will also say I think someone we missed in terms of putting on the board was the crown, was mm. the yes. English crown who they ordered the settlers to go and find them an intermediary. So uh, the guy we ended up putting in jail, what was his name? Well, it was the Virginia Company and Argall. Argall. We, we gave him the slap. And uh, uh, what, we, what we learned today is that Argall was really just carrying out the, um, the crown's orders. That's true. Yeah. I think we could have gone harder on the crown for sure. And I think also we could have gone a little bit harder on Powhatan himself. Because first of all, learning right off the bat in this conversation that Pocahontas was not his favorite. Right. If anything, she, How could you not Yeah, love it's heartbreaking. <laughs> if anything, she was just some like random kid of his that he probably didn't think twice about. Mm-hmm. Um, also that the settlers the colonizers were trying to farm but they were being attacked it sounds like every time they would leave so i think it was perhaps a little bit more tit for tat than we were making it out to seem in the first episode that being said there is still like yeah why are you you're still yeah why are you here in the first place which is problematic but i think it was once they got here and we talked about this sort of what did you call it like the um one upmanship right right it's just fascinating. Um, and another thing was the, the hearing that perhaps Rolf, maybe he was in love with, with Pocahontas. Now, again, she did specify, we don't know if she loved him back. So, <laughs> you know, who knows? But it was interesting to hear that he wrote a letter that was full of, you know, details and hints that it could have actually, he could have had feelings for her. I mean, it sounds like she was a really charismatic lady, you know, yeah. and she definitely I think we all have feelings for her now. Like, yeah, I, I do. <laughs> I always have, though, even the Disney version. <laughs> so, I mean, how do we feel about perhaps sending the novel coronavirus to the alarmist jail? I, I mean, th- I think it's hard not to. <laughs> but or, yeah, I mean. I mean, it is 
we're about a year too late, but yeah, <laughs> would have been nice. We should have covered this one in 2020. Uh, I, you know what though? I think Rebecca in like 10 years, we'll do an episode on who's to blame for the 2020 coronavirus epidemic. And I have a feeling <laughs> coronavirus might go to jail for that. <laughs> yeah. So it can, at this point now that we're, everyone's getting vaccines and it's, it's, you know, more accept the vaccines are more accessible, um, and there's a light at the end of the tunnel. Um, perhaps we can wait and just keep the Virginia company in jail. I mean, selfishly, I want coronavirus and all the variants to go to jail just because I, <laughs> I want to have a party. Mm-hmm. But, uh, but I just don't know. I it. think, I don't know. I, I leave it up to you, but I, I kind of like our original verdict, I think. I think so too. Um, but once again, you know, Professor Townsend really just makes us think. Uh, and you know what? She's a professor. That's why she's a professor. <laughs> <laughs> now, if we have a second, I quickly want to just talk about a recent review we got. Oh, tell us. Um, do, do either of you guys have your phones handy where you can look at the, the most recent review? Because I don't have mine with me, actually. Okay, let me see here. Oh, I think I know the one you're talking about. Yeah, Chris knows the one I'm talking about. Chris, you can read it if you have it. I think I will. Okay. This is from some Nick named IDK! Exclamation point, and it, uh, the title of it is Chris is Underrated. <laughs> and here's the review. <clears throat> He's like the funniest one. don't make it so dramatic (laughs) also this is a pretty entertaining and educational podcast full stop end of review (laughs) now i did i had the review looked into so i put in a few phone calls and i was able to have it traced did you reach out to the it department about this because it, it, I have been I, working I reached, on a lot of stuff in the fact I reached out to our IT department. Yes. And so I said, make this, let's make this a priority. Drop everything that you're doing. <laughs> okay. And, and, and they were able to okay. um, trace it to Chris's mother's phone. That's not, that's, <laughs> I'm going to need to talk to them about that because I find that to be highly unlikely, but I'm going to need, I will see where the, we bounce the signal off of. <laughs> It, it was a, a cell phone tower. We were able to get a ping okay. uh, from okay. her phone at this exact same time that the review well, is posted. So, well, look, I trust I trust um, our IT department with my life. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. However, it's certainly also possible that someone stole my mom's cell phone. <laughs> okay. Stole her uh-huh. identity, even po- that's even that's a possibility, yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. and made it a priority to leave a review on the alarmist. <laughs> once Look, he, I'm just saying. What he or she once he or she uh, went away with the with the phone, stole the phone. Look, I'm I'm just saying if we're going to do an investigation on this thing, I want it to be thorough. Mm. Okay? Mm-hmm. okay, okay. Well, okay. well, listen. If you want to leave a review, um, again, as we say, you don't have to say who you think is the funniest or your favorite. No. We all know overwhelmingly it's Rebecca, and that's how it should be. Mm-hmm. So, li- why don't you tell us, you know, your favorite episode, and that that's would be really one. helpful. We like hearing that. Or if you have suggestions for future episodes, that's a way we always look at the reviews. That's a way you could get that to us. So, tune in next week. We are going to be covering the killing of Cecil the Lion. Erios. Powered by ACAST.
Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.